You're listening to a podcast hosted on the Podcaster Matrix. Get your entire podcast library hosted now at podcastermatrix.com. Are you troubled by pop culture references you don't understand? Does trying to figure out a good jumping on point in a long-running comic series keep you up at night? Have you or your friends or family seen a comic book-based movie, TV show, or cartoon and not known what was going on? If the answer is yes, then this is the podcast for you. My My Big Big Fat Pull List. Our assembly of knowledgeable hosts are eager to help answer all your comic book-based pop culture questions. We're ready to geek out with you. Major events are something of a regular occurrence in modern superhero comics. We're used to seeing at least one company-wide crossover event happening each year, as well as smaller events taking place inside individual titles. But none compare to the historic significance of the first major comic event. This was no mere team-up story, or even an action epic in the vein of previous miniseries like Marvel's Secret Wars or DC's own Superpowers. This was a continuity-altering, history-rewriting, and oftentimes confusing moment in comic book publishing which promised that worlds will live, worlds will die, and the DC Universe will never be the same. In the beginning, there was only one. A single black infinity. So cold and dark for so very long that even the burning light was imperceptible. But the light grew, and the infinitude shuddered, and the darkness finally screamed as much in pain as in relief. For in that instant, a multiverse was born. With those words, thus begin what is widely considered to be the greatest comic book crossover event of all time, the event that all other events since have compared to. Join us in this special episode of My Big Fat Pull List as we travel the multiverse, visit with over 500 characters, and witness the very first destruction and rebirth of the DC Universe as we once again try Understanding DC Comics, Episode 2, The Crisis on Infinite Earths. Greetings and salutations, everyone. My name is Dr. Impact, and I am joined with the gigantic staff of the Pull List podcasters. Across the table from me is... In his infinitude awesomeness, Smurfy. The infinitude himself, Pistol Danger. The one who is imperceptible, Dragonus Prime. And the shuddering Mr. X. (laughs) I feel really good about that one, guys. Okay, that was good. Really that, good was, that, that was well done. That was solid. Yeah. Tight. Marv Wolfman would be would be happy. Yes. Yeah. Oh, Marv, rest in peace. <laughs> he's, not he's not dead. <laughs> but but when he dies, yeah. let yeah, him rest in Yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I meant. Smurfy, did you know he's still alive? I didn't say anything because I did not. Check out our Patreon page. We are on Patreon because, of course, we are. Who isn't, right? Check out all of the incentives that we have on there. We got a lot of really great stuff. I know that 
we've all mentioned various things that we like. I know, I think, Pistol, you said that you like the shirt, right? Oh, the Patreon page? I do like the shirt on the yeah. Patreon page. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Did I not say Patreon? Page enough? No, I could always stand for more Patreon page references. <laughs> what is the address for the Patreon page? www.patreon.com forward slash my big fat pull list podcast. He actually got the forward slash this time, so yeah. I'm very proud of him. Yeah, that's why the WWWs are important. <laughs> I'm more worried about the forward slash than the WWW. But we digress. Crisis on Infinite Earths is by far the most epic, I would think, maybe next to the Age of Apocalypse. That's the only thing I can think that comes yeah, as close. Because, I mean, this is, this is huge. This is 12 issues, but there is a multitude of tie-ins that go into it. Not to mention the fact that it is so important to the structuring, or I should say restructuring, of the DC Universe mid-80s, and then further into the future before our big shake-up with New 52. Well, and it even it even it plays heavily into everything that's going on with current DC rebirth and post-rebirth stuff. Right, right. It is really the one thing, if you, if you have read Crisis, if you know Crisis, you can pretty much jump in anywhere in DC and have a passing understanding. If you don't know Crisis, if you haven't read Crisis, it makes the majority of major stories in DC since 1985 nearly impossible to follow it is ah, the one okay. single most important storyline in dc history explain to us how you're going to take all of this information and condense it for us so obviously we're not going to get through every detail in one episode oh right, there's just right, right. there's too much so anybody out there you know that's listening right now uh, if, the, if there's something that we skip that's a favorite moment of yours or there's uh, points that you think that we should have brought up, I'm sorry we can't hit everything, but always be sure to go to our website at mybigfatpolis.com and contact us and let us know if there are things that you wanted us to talk about in more detail because we're not going to get through everything. Right. If you this. are interested in us starting the Panel for Panel, A Look at Crisis podcast, We'll do it. That's a whole different That's show. That's a Patreon tier, and you <laughs> yeah, need to sign go. up for That's that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Operators so, are standing by, folks. So to make this a little easier, to, to make it bite-sized pieces, I have sort of broken the thing into a five-act structure. I oh, figure okay, okay. in classical theater... That's what they used to do. Whether it was yeah. a tragedy or a comedy or whatever, it was broken into a five-act structure. So if this isn't any good, can I throw vegetables at you? Are you a groundling? Then yes. You have no idea what I'm talking about, do you? <laughs> the look on Dragonus Prime's face is like I just destroyed out Regarity's head. Um, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Can I just fall asleep at the third act? <laughs> yeah. That's what I usually do. I don't know if you want to do that. Acts three and four are really good. But anyway, yeah. yeah that's yeah. I, I've broken it up into five acts, and so... We will go through each one, and in each act, I have also broken down the tie-ins that were released that connect to that act. Oh, okay. Uh, now, on our website, we will release the reading order that I have put together for Crisis. There are a lot of reading orders online that you can find. Some of them are very good. I used many of them to put this reading order together. Okay. There are some that I found misleading in information, but we can get into that per act. Now, we've already covered... DC Comics continuity before Crisis. Uh, that's actually in our Understanding DC Comics 
episode one. It's in our archives. It's called Crisis of Continuity. We go through how the Golden Age and the Silver Age kind of shaped DC Comics and how it all led to the need for doing Crisis. But all started with Slam Bradley. Slam Bradley. Dr. Impact's going to give you a brief, very brief rundown to prepare you before we dive into Act 1 of Crisis. The only thing that we need to give a quick rundown on is that there is a multiverse. There are many different Earths with many different variations. All of the heroes that were from the Golden Age of Comics live on Earth 2. The regular Justice League heroes, they all live on Earth 1. The Crime Syndicate of America, they are on Earth 3. The Charlton heroes that were bought by DC Comics in the late 60s, uh, early 70s, those characters inhabit Earth 4. Quality characters, Uncle Sam and those guys, they all inhabit Earth X, the world where the World War II Nazi war never ended. Yeah. And so, and so on and so forth. So there are an infinite number of alternate realities. Oh. Now, in the early 80s, when Marv Wolfman and George Perez took over the New Teen Titans, they created the character The Monitor, who started showing up in random books over about a two-year period leading up to the first issue of Crisis. And The Monitor would sell arms and weapons to various villains around the universe. What an a-hole. What an a-hole. <laughs> well, his, his idea, I'm not quite sure that this was very thought out at the time, but his idea was that if I empower the villains, then... I will see which heroes can rise to the occasion and defeat them. And the ones that do, those are the ones that I need to bring. And in some cases, maybe the villains will succeed, in which case I will need them as well. I'm not quite sure if that was always the intent from a publishing standpoint or if that kind of retconned over over the two-year period. But Mm -hmm. either way, we're not here to talk about publication history of this stuff like we did in the Mighty Crusaders episodes of our podcast. Check the archives. Check the archives. But uh, rather the story itself. So this was all leading up to the very first issue of Crisis. And if if I remember correctly, I believe it was Tales of Teen Titans number 58 and DC Comics Presents number 78 that both had essentially like final page lead-ins. Just very brief appearances of the monitor going, it is time, it must begin, or something like that. And then mm-hmm. at the bottom it says, check out Crisis number one on sale next month, or whatever the case may have been at that time. So that that's it. That's what has led up to the first issue of Crisis. Okay. Yeah, so it all may... Uh, uh, hey, you guys, uh, you guys hear that? Hey, what, what's that bright light? forming behind uh, Mr. X. Is there somebody stepping out of that? Salutations! I am the Psycho Podcaster. I absorb the energies from podcast hosts throughout the multiverse. Tight. Intriguing. Tell us more. When I discovered your group was recording an episode dealing with Crisis on Infinite Earths, I just had to pop in and get involved. What's with your outfit there, old man weirdo? You look like a cosplayer of uh, the Royal Flush Gang mixed with some weird DJ. Silence! Mark not my splendor, for I have come with a gift to help you understand the scope and magnitude... Pop, pop. ...of crisis... 
I've decided to take each of you on a trip to another Earth. (laughs) 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 Doubting fools! I shall take the fluffy one who wears sunglasses inside first. Wait, what? So, does, like, this happen often? Not really. Well, that was unexpected. I hope Mr. X comes back soon, but for now, the four of us will get started without him, because we have a lot of Crisis to break down. So let's dive straight into Act 1 of Crisis on Infinite Earths. In Issue 1, the creation of the multiverse is recapped just before a new character, Pariah, is introduced as we witness the destruction of Earth-3, home to the original crime syndicate, by a wall of what we will learn is antimatter. It's kind of like the nothing from NeverEnding Story. Now, before Earth-3 is completely destroyed, Lex Luthor, Earth-3's sole hero, and his wife, Lois Luthor, send their only child, Alexander Luthor, into Earth-1's universe. Now, all of this is observed by the Monitor, who sends his ally, Harbinger, who splits herself into many copies similar to Multiple Man to collect not only the Luther Child, but various heroes and villains from various Earths, including characters from Earth-1, such as Firestorm, Killer Frost, King Sullivan, the King of the Gorilla City, uh, Dawnstar from the Legion of Superheroes, Cyborg, the Jon Stewart Green Lantern. She also recruits Blue Beetle from Earth-4. I would also like to add, this issue, when he appears, this is his very first DC Comics appearance oh. in Crisis Number 1. Um, he was never in anything prior to this. so That makes a lot of sense now. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, because like, people are like, what's that blue thing in the sky? And I was like, how do you not know what that is? How do you not know what it is? So well, that it's because it Got was it. never done before. And then from Earth 2, she recruits people like Superman, Firebrand, Obsidian, and the Psycho Pirate. Once aboard the Monitor's satellite, he reveals himself and tells them that their worlds are about to die. Meanwhile, on Earth-1, Batman sees a chilling vision of the Flash as he attempts to stop the Joker from his latest scheme. Before Batman's eyes, the Flash seemingly vanishes and crumbles to dust. Back on the satellite, the Monitor tells all the heroes and villains that he's gathered of his plan to halt the approaching antimatter waves by transporting them to various Earths and various points in history, where they find vibrational tuning forks, which they need to protect at all costs. Each of these forks are subsequently attacked by evil shadow demons. The tuning forks aren't like the little tuning fork you hold in your hand either. No, they're not. These they're like, are like skyscrapers. They are. Forks. They're like they're like towers. Buildings. Yeah, yeah they're, they're like towers. towers. Exactly, and they're just almost bright like, yellow. Almost. They kind of almost even look like the tower from the Lord of the Rings with the. The tuning oh, that's yeah. that's true. That's a good point. I never made yeah. that connection. Yeah, but you're right. Yeah. It does kind of have that, like the Mordor Tower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it does very similar, um, only just bright yellow and mechanical. And no orcs. Yellow. And no orcs. Shadow demons instead. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, at all of the tuning fork stations, uh, the heroes are all attacked by more evil shadow demons. During all of this, the psycho pirate betrays the group that he has traveled with, and he is abducted by an unseen foe. We don't know, we just hear his voice ethereally in the in the area that he has been held, which is also like this black voided room. Like there's nothing to it. Now, this unseen enemy also it seems has infected one of Harbinger's copies 
that is out and about. One of her her multiple harbinger men. The creature takes over the body and it makes her eyes turn black. So when it goes back into Harbinger, there's a little bit of this shadow demon monster thing inside of her. Now, how often does that happen? Just the one time. Okay. Just the one time. And just to the one split. Just to the one person. As the heroes battle all the evil shadow demons, who, by the way, the very touch of them will cause you to burn with antimatter at best and fade into complete antimatter at worst... Bit of a range there. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Well, it's it's really there. It's I don't know why it's at best or at worst. To be honest with you, it's really one or the other. Like if they touch you, you burn. If they hold on to you for more than a few seconds, you fade to antimatter. You die. That's it. There's there's nothing to you. Put a um, little aloe vera on it. No, I don't even think that that'll work. Uh, okay. You know, although throughout the story, various people do get get burned. I think Blue Beetle's shoulder gets burned at one point. Yes. And, yeah. Yeah. He gets grabbed. Anyway, as as they're battling the shadow demons. The baby from Earth-3, Alexander Luther, has now grown to be a, a small child. But keep in mind that only a couple of days has passed at most, and he's grown in that time. Now, in the future of Earth-1, Barry Allen has been living a peaceful life with his wife, Iris Allen, when the crisis comes there as well. For more on that, again, check our archive. Check the previous episode of uh, the Understanding DC Comics, we go into all of the trial of the Flash and everything that took him into the future. But for right now, he's living in the future with Iris. Now, he attempts to stop the crisis, and he fails. And so he allows his vibrational frequency to slow down, because that's what's keeping him in the future, keeping himself vibrating at the pace of the future. So if he allows himself to slow down, it will slingshot him back to his present time, which is 1985. On Earth-1. Now, as the Psycho Pirate and Harbinger begin to follow the commands of the hidden foe in the darkness, the Teen Titans and the Outsiders, they combine forces to attack a wave of antimatter on Earth-1 in 1985. And they're joined by Earth-1 Superman, Earth-1 Batman, just as the Flash appears from the future. But his stay in the present is literally maybe half a page at most like he's barely there before he is suddenly pulled away and abducted by this same presence or creature that is now working with psycho pirate or i should say psycho pirate is working for now, throughout time the monitor's vibrational forks are attacked by more and more of the shadow demons and there are several heroes that actually have died protecting them as Earth-1 battles on, Pariah, the new hero who is forced to, or a hero, I guess, but the new character who is forced to appear and witness the destruction and tragedy of Earth. Mostly tragedy, but oftentimes it's destruction. Pariah arrives on Earth-6. I think it's important to note that up till this point, Earth-6 has never been seen in comics before. Hmm. Earth-6 was an Earth that was created for this story. Uh, Earth-6 is a world that has new characters like Lord Volt and Lady Quark. Now, when I was younger and I had read Crisis at the Beginning, I didn't know who these two were. I didn't know why this was important. And I thought I had missed something somewhere along the way. But it it turns out that, no, that was their first appearance. They had never shown up before that. The Blue Beetle and now Lord Quark and Lady Volt. Right. Or or, no, switch that. Strike it and reverse it. So he gets to Earth-6, and he's able to save Lady Quark just as Earth-6 
is destroyed by so, antimatter. Lord Volt, he's a... Lord Volt yeah. is, is gone, as well as their daughter, whose name I believe is Leanna. Rip. Yeah, yeah. Nothing of value is lost. Toast. <laughs> They're gone. Toast. And that, and that makes her the sole survivor of Earth-6. She's it. Throughout all of this, the Monitor engineers the creation of a brand new Dr. Light. Now, prior to this, Dr. Light was always a villain. But now... The Monitor has uh, taken a uh, a woman from, what is she, from Japan, I believe? Yes, yes she's a scientist. She's a scientist, yeah, right. Studying um, the antimonitor yeah. energy. And he, he takes her and he creates out of her a new Dr. Light, who is a hero, unlike her predecessor. Uh, she's very selfish at the beginning, though. She is very selfish Super at first, selfish, yes. Which is kind but, of funny and kind of weird. Yeah, but by the end, she becomes a real a real hero. Meanwhile, Alexander Luther, who has now grown to be a teenager... He watches as Harbinger struggles against this control that she is dealing One with. One thing to add, they have him in like an incubator. Yeah, that's, that's right. That's why he's he has growing to, yeah. so fast. He has to be held in an incubator. Yeah. And you do you do discover kind of why, but that kind of doesn't come about until Act 2. Right, but you yes. see him like in this weird incubator thing where you're like, yeah, oh, that's, yeah, that's right. Well, it's, it's almost like egg-like. Yeah, and every time you see him, he's yeah. getting bigger, and you're like, okay, rapid growth, got it. Right, right. As the vibrational forks are attacked again, the monitor brings Pariah to the satellite just before he is attacked by a mind-controlled harbinger because of the infected copy that she has within her, and she kills him. She blasts a hole pretty much right through the center of him. This act prevents the monitor from continuing to operate the vibrational forks as he has been, and as a result, Act 1 of Crisis on Infinite Earths ends with Earths 1 and 2 seemingly fading from existence. Did you notice when Ted Korn, Blue Beetle, was attacked by those shadow demons, they grab his scarab, and it seems to hurt them. Yeah. They mention it. And he and mentions then, and then that the there monitor, are... And then he goes, well, I'm going to see what this tuning fork's all about. And the monitor goes, can't have that, and just like zaps him away, never yeah. to be really seen again. And I'm like, what? But, but if you remember, and this will come into play many episodes from now when we get to other future episodes of DC history. But if you if you remember at one point he mentions that he got the scarab from the original Blue Beetle. Right. And it has magical powers. Right. He wasn't he sure. He just of the doesn't powers. know how to use yeah, it. Yeah, at all. He's like, oh the scarab saved me. So cool. Yeah. And you're like, what? So I you know, there's a lot of people and again we're we're jumping thirty years ahead here, but there's a lot of people who who have bad mouth or I've heard bad mouth the Jaime uh, or Jamie, depending yeah, on how you, how pronounce, you pronounce it, it right. version of Blue Beetle that came out about 10, 15 years ago, saying that that was all just added at that point in time. And, and no, it, it it really goes all the way back to his first appearance. I heard people saying Ted got the raw end of the deal because he had no because idea he didn't know how to do it. Yeah. Scarab had potential yeah. of, and that could have totally like escalated him up. Yeah. Poor guy was just wearing his symbol when really it's like, dude, you have all this awesome technology I know. at your disposal, and you're a tech guy. Well, it doesn't, sucks. Doesn't the Beetle have to choose? It's host, too? I don't know. See, yeah, yeah I'm not about that like part a... of Blue Beetle, but yeah, unfortunately, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and certainly at this point in time, I mean, Act 1 of, of Crisis, I have broken down to be issues 1 through 4. So, and I'm not, I'm not positive, I think Blue Beetle shows up in all four issues. So at this point in time, he has only had four appearances in all of DC Comics. They certainly did not delve that much into the Scarab. <laughs> With everything else that they're telling... Um, that certainly and some of it was could have been there. happy accidents that they were like, oh, remember how we kind of said this lastly? Well, let's kind of move forward with it a bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
so yeah, so that's that's the first act. I don't know about you guys. I've always found that uh, that the first act is is very exciting. But even when I was younger, I always felt like Crisis had a slow start. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we were talking Snail's about that. Pace. We were yeah. talking yeah. about that. We were like, man, you could have summed up those first four issues in probably about one issue with a little better, Half? you know? Yeah, I don't know about one. I mean, there, there, there's a Maybe lot, two. Of, characters that, a lot that, of characters that have to be dealt with. Well, but. a lot of problem too is the dialogue. The dialogue Man. goes on for like it is very good. yeah it's very nineteen eighty five infinitude mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah right yeah. Yeah. it is very nineteen eighty five in the way it is scripted that's right. true yeah but I I would have to say that by the end of Act One mm-hmm. it has certainly ramped up and it is it is very exciting at that point especially when it seems like Earths One and Two have vanished but it does it does have a slow start and it's one of those things that if you don't know a lot about DC Comics history you may not have any clue who Anthro the boy is, the first boy or whatever his Correct. name is. Oh, yeah. I didn't um, know. I didn't yeah. know. He's no Slam Bradley. He's no Slam Bradley. <laughs> um, who who I don't think ever shows up, by the way. He's no Bob He's Phantom. controlling a lot of things from behind the scenes, I would uh, imagine. Side note, you do know that Slam Bradley is coming back in current day comics, but that's a whole other discussion for another time. But there are other characters in there, too, that, you know, in the years since I've, I've looked into them, like Commandy. Oh, Commandy, The yeah. Commandy, the last boy, the Jack Kirby character. Mm-hmm. Um, Arian, the lost king of Atlantis from from Atlantis's history, who I always kind of found to be a somewhat annoying character, and certainly in Crisis as well. As far as the characters that perish in Act 1, it's a pretty hefty list to start off with. We lose every single member of the crime syndicate within the first five pages mm-hmm. of the book. And the first, the first five pages is, is a great grab, and then it slows down. <laughs> yeah, like that's what it like starts yeah. you like right. It's like you're right, right off the you cliff are right and there, like... and it's and right in the first five pages we're gonna kill major characters, and then it slows. So yeah, every single crime syndicate member, uh, Ultraman, Superwoman, Power Ring, Johnny Quick, and Owlman, they all perish. Also Lex Luthor and Lois Lane. Also Lex Luthor and Lois Lane Luthor. Yeah, from Earth Three. The other thing I found interesting is that the Western hero Nighthawk is killed in the past. Oh, yeah. But but none of the other Western heroes. Because he was the guy outside the cave. They were all outside the cave. They all met at the cave. And then I think it was Cyborg he, and well, his crew. Well, he went to go crew. get more weapons and took off on horseback. He just took off running. And then, like, he fell. And ran weird, right and into the... And then pulls out his gun. <laughs> yeah, is like, I'm going to shoot like, it. What? And then he shoots it. And then, like, oh, I'm gone. Like, yeah. And effort, I just buddy. was really weird. Out. I guess of all of the Western characters, like, why? Okay. There is an old war comic from, I want to say, the, the 50s and 60s at DC called The Losers. And it continued on in, into the early 80s, I believe. Every single member of The Losers lost. is wiped out. Yeah, they're all oh. lost. Yeah. And not only that, like, they, they go through and they're like, here's so-and-so, gone. Here's so-and-so, yeah. gone. Here's so-and-so, gone. And you're like, wow, way to just like, pour salt on that you wound. Just, yeah, it's... Like, ouch. Yeah, and I, and I don't know anything about The Losers other than what I've read in Crisis. I've never read them in anything else. But yeah, that moment is like, jeez. Because they really emphasize it. And I know who those guys were, but I was like, these guys are pretty awesome. Because you find out the one guy's like, I don't have an eye. I don't have a leg. I'm still fighting the fight. And you're like, wow, what a badass. Yeah. And then he's gone. It makes makes me want to go back and read The Losers, the old stuff. But um, also in that same sequence, a member of Sergeant Rock's Easy Company, uh, the member known as Flower, is killed. And his helmet is left behind. Yeah. Now, I I always kind of thought that kind of hit me because I always knew Easy Company. I mean, I always thought Sergeant Rock and Easy Company was DC's answer to... 
Nick Fury and the Howling Commandos. Right. Agreed. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so I always thought, oh my God, they lost a member of Easy Company. That's really big. I, I discovered recently that that the issue that Flower is in in Crisis is the only issue he's ever appeared in. <laughs> so they made him just to kill him. They made him ah, to kill feeling. a member of Easy Company well, you know without what? having to kill. Yeah, most of those guys I knew, like uh, you know, like I didn't read a lot of those, but I knew like, oh, yeah. there's the Haunted Tank, right? Yeah, yeah there's, the like, Haunted Tank shows. You know, up, you're like, so okay, cool. you're like, yeah. there's a whole bunch of really cool characters, and all of them like, who's Flower? And then he's gone. I was like, ah, that's who Flower is. Yep, yep, he is a <laughs> he's the red. Yeah, 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 exactly. They also kill off Kid Psycho from the Legion of Superheroes in a really pathetic way. I mean, he like, but like a rock wall falls on him or something, and they keep calling, Kid Psycho, are you there? Are you there? And then a wave of antimatter oh, just rushes you're right. over oh, him. He's literally flying. So, and so he's he, like, these buildings are crumbling, and it crumbles on him. <laughs> he <laughs> may have survived the crumble. He may have survived the may, crumble, or maybe he was killed by the crumble. We don't know. <laughs> if you read earlier, too, the worst parts are like, oh, he went to our evacuation site, and then it crumbled Oh, that's him. right. He did. <laughs> I, I like, forgot about yeah. that. Yes. Like, we sent him to our evacuation site to make sure there's no one left behind. Yeah. And then he gets left behind. And, and I don't and know if Kid Psycho was, was a regular or not uh, before that. Of Actually, course, he's got a rich and lush history, which I'm I will sure, go yeah. into on another episode. Okay. Oh, okay. And then, of course, we also lose all of Earth 6, which includes... Lord Volt, as we mentioned, and Princess Fern, their daughter, who's also known as Leanna. Another group um, of characters with rich history. With rich history, yeah. Uh, finally, Act Act 1 ends. The last final death that Act 1 has is, of course, the Monitor. That's the big one. That, that was kind of big to kill off like one of your main characters four issues into the series. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah especially the guy who's like causing it all. Right, yeah. yeah. And they're like, and he's dead now. You're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> they, well, they Ned Starked him. So yeah, you're like, is this, is this it? Like, so, so much And keep issues. in mind, too, that if you were reading DC Comics at the time, if you had been reading all of the major books leading up to Crisis, this guy has been showing up all over the place. So it would be the equivalent of, say, the Watcher in Marvel showing up in everybody's book two or three times over the course of two years, and then the story happens, and you kill him right away. Or killing Nick Fury as soon as he forms the Avengers, like ten minutes into the movie. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, that's that's what the equivalent of... That's, that's even a better, I think, example than, than the Watcher one. Um, yeah, it's like taking a major character out right off the bat. So that's that's pretty ballsy. Now, as far as the tie-ins, I do not own all of the tie-ins... I was not able to read all of the tie-ins. I was able to read most of them. Um, oh, fairness, there's a lot. There are tons. I swear, every, every fourth picture was like, see this tie-in, go read yes. this, this this book, go see it this was, book. It was probably the first time, well, definitely the first time that DC made major tie-ins in other books to an event, but it might be the first time it ever happened, period. Because if I remember right, I don't think Secret Wars did, except for the beginning and the end. Because they were all off on another... I think Secret Wars 2 did. But um, I could be wrong about that. We'll worry yeah. about that in a future episode. That's mm-hmm. right. That's right. Uh, now, as far as the, the tie-ins for Act 1, I'm not going to list them all right now. You will have to go to our website to see the reading order to find all of the tie-ins. What's that uh, website address? What is that website address, Pistol? I'm glad you guys asked. Because real quick, let me just spell it out for you. It's www then a period, then my big fat pull list, and then a second period, and then the letters C, O, M. Not to be confused with a zero, it's the letter O. So that's Charlie Oscar Mike. Thank, thank you. Yes. Thank you, Pistol. Thank you. Yeah, check out, check out our list on the website there. Now, it's also hard to find tie-ins for this because 
comic book creators and publishers were still trying to figure out how tie-ins work at this point in time. So there were tons of tie-ins that did not have the Crisis banner on the top of them hmm. that I found. That's in, helpful. That's Yeah, right. That's helpful. Uh, for instance, I believe Detective Comics 558 is a tie-in. Uh, it's a very loose tie-in, but it is a tie-in, but it does not have the Crisis banner on it. And yet it connects more than some of the All-Star Squadron tie-ins that do have the Crisis banner. Is that like more of a in-depth look of that part with him and Joker and Flash? Sort of, yeah. It's it's the events that Batman and Catwoman are dealing with leading up to the moment when he gets a call from Bullock mm. saying that that Standish guy has been attacked by the Joker. And he's like, all right, great, I'll, I'll go look into it. Keep me posted on the, the storms and the red skies. Now, some of the All-Star Squadron books, the tie-ins are even less than that. It's just a character saying, wow, there's bad weather and red skies. And that's the whole tie-in. And it has a banner on it. The Detective Comics does not have a banner, but it obviously ties in a little bit more. Hmm. Most of the tie-ins, especially in Act 1, are things that explain where certain characters come in. In Crisis Number 1, Harbinger goes to 1940s Earth 2 to recruit Firebrand. Well, in All-Star Squadron Number 50, that page of dialogue is redrawn by the artist of that book... So it is word for word exactly how it is in Crisis Number 1, just redrawn. And then you follow Firebrand as she goes off with Harbinger, so they go to recruit someone else. So there's little things like that here and there. The biggest one of those is Fury of Firestorm 41. That's a good tie-in. Because when we meet Firestorm in Crisis, he is flying to recruit Killer Frost. And he says, boy, I, something like, boy, I hope Harbinger's right. I hope this is the person we need. And you're like, what? Where, when did these two meet? Where is this coming from? Well, in Firestorm 41, Fury of Firestorm, she comes to Firestorm to recruit him first. He thinks she's a villain, and they have a fight. And then finally she convinces him what's going on, and she's like, you need to go get Killer Frost. And he's like, no way. She's my enemy. I'm not getting her. And he's like, she's like, you, you have to. And he goes, okay. He flies off, and at the end of the issue, it says, to find out what happens next, pick up Crisis number one. The other good uh, tie-ins are the Green Lantern. Green Lantern number one, uh, 194. At this point, Hal Jordan has given up being the Green Lantern. Jon Stewart is brand new as the Green Lantern of Sector 2814. In Green Lantern 194, you learn that, or at least those who don't read Green Lantern anyway, learn that there has always been a backup to Hal Jordan. Abin Sur found two people who were worthy of the ring, one being Hal, the other one being Guy Gardner. Mm -hmm. And Hal was closer. That's why Hal got the ring. Well, now <laughs> Hal has given up the ring, John has it, and now Guy has come out of whatever coma he was in because of things that had been going on. It's like a, a just like a dating app. Yeah. So, yeah, right, yeah, swipe left. Three miles, no, one mile. <laughs> yeah, right. okay, I'll pick that one, yeah. So now, now Guy and Hal get whisked away by Oa, or by the guardians of Oa, rather. And really, they're there for Guy, because Hal's given up, and Hal kind of hitches a ride. By this time, though, Guy had already worn the ring a at, few at times. One, uh, once, yeah. He had worn it once. Was it once? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, and I think he wore the classic Hal Jordan outfit. At when that he time, did. when yeah. he first This did. is yeah. when they were thinking they're starting to get their powers back, right? Because Oa got attacked. 
and shaken up. This was right. John Stewart be- yeah. couldn't use his power at all. This was right before that. Yeah, which yeah. Which was always awkward. They always like, you know, spotlight on him, and they're like, look at him, and he's like, I can't do anything. Yeah. Next scene. But you, <laughs> yeah, if like- you read the Green Lantern books, it really plays. So there, there are more important tie-ins like that, and then there are tie-ins like the Wonder Woman books and the Infinity Inc. and and such that don't really. I mean, they do, they tie in if you like those characters. I, in reading those tie-ins, I certainly wanted to read All-Star Squadron to learn more about the characters, but it didn't really add anything to Crisis. I found myself skimming what tie-ins I did read just to get really? to a couple of panels or whatever. That I, I did that with a few. I would skim through until I found a panel that looked like it referenced a red sky right. or something. Yeah, And I was like, okay, good enough for me. Let's go to the next thing. Now, the only other tie-in that fits into... Act One, that I feel is kind of important, didn't even come out in 1985. That tie-in was released in February of 1999. Bit of a jump. Bit of a jump. There was a series that DC was putting out at the time called The Legends of the DC Universe, and every issue or every two or three issues was different people, and it was different stories within the history. They did a special issue in 99 on Crisis. And when you read the book, the book acts like issue 4.5 of Hmm. crisis because and we'll get to this in a minute when we get into act two the earth earth one and two seemingly disappear at the end of act one Mm -hmm. at the end of issue four in issue five you have a hundred heroes sitting in the satellite what the where the hell did they come from what happened to do that this book sort of fills that gap Hmm. in a sense and it is written by marv wolfman Okay. Cool. So it is canon, and it's very much written in the same style. It's not drawn by George Perez, but it does still very much fit. And in it, it tells the story of when Flash is pulled away. Before he gets kidnapped by the Anti-Monitor, or the Unseen Foe, as he's known at this time, yeah. he actually ends up on a different Earth. And I forget which designation, but it's a brand new Earth. He meets up with the Justice Alliance of America, which is the Justice League members, but they are all from various different countries. They are all from various different nationalities. Oh, oh, that's cool. It's very interesting. Yeah. And Superman and Supergirl are actually adults on this earth when Krypton exploded, and they were married. Their child did not survive. They came to Earth themselves. So Superman and Supergirl are not cousins. They're married. Mm -hmm. It's, It's a very interesting Earth. Anyway... He meets up with them, and he tries to help them during the crisis. And, of course, he gets pulled away just when they're about to fix things, and it doesn't work. But he's able to recruit some of the Justice League from Earth-1 to his aid. But as everything's falling apart, they leave. And when they leave, something happens in their teleportation that shoots them off to the satellite. So it it kind of fills the gap in there. It's... Probably of all of the tie-ins in Act One, it's probably the most important. Sure, and it only came out ten <laughs> years later. Yeah, thirteen. So yeah. So as far as tie-ins, are they worth it? If you're like me and you're OCD when it comes to DC Comics, especially Crisis, yes, they're all worth it. Are they really worth it? No. no. You can read the book without reading the tie-ins, except maybe the book that came out ten years later. Are they DC app worthy? Perhaps some of them. Sure. Some of them absolutely would be. You might the Green even, Lantern stuff. You might even be able to, like, Google the panels themselves. That oh, would be you, you could, yeah, and just find the stuff that just connects to when the, the antimatter, uh, the, the anti- you, you guys hear that? 
That's that weird sound again. Huh? What? Who? I'm back! Oh, man! You'll never guess what kind of crazy earth I ended up on. Our show was the highest-ranked podcast in the world. And instead of Mr. X, that earth had a Gentleman X. And the Fox X-Men movies are all good, including X-Men Origins Wolverine. And best of all, Michael Bay's studio never remade the Ninja Turtles. That sounds like a paradise. Oh, it was. Pistol! Oh, wow, it happened again. Almost as if we've concocted some strange gimmick for this episode to help us cover up the fact that we only have four microphones and thus can only have four people at a time per segment. Right. Anyway, back to Crisis. Act two. Once Harbinger is released from the enemy's control, she mourns the death of the Monitor, and then suddenly a recorded message plays that reveals that his death was all part of his plan, and that by killing him, all of his energy has been released, allowing Earths 1 and 2 to be brought into a netherverse, where they will be safe for the time being. It's all part of the plan. <laughs> I was wondering who was going to do it. I was going to say, strike me down and I will become far more powerful than you can imagine. Both would work. Now this is a temporary solution, however, as all of time has been merged now on the two Earths. Because the vibrational frequencies that typically keep them apart is failing. And rather than merging the world safely, these two Earths will eventually destroy each other. This is all explained to a giant room full of a hundred or more heroes from both Earths 1 and 2 that have gathered on the Monitor's satellite in what is probably my favorite double-page spread in comics history. I was just about to say, it's a great freaking splash it is, page. I, I never get tired of looking at it. Perez knows how to do a group shot. He does. Yeah. You know, interesting, Smurfy, when, when we sat down to begin recording this, Smurfy was asking about my copy of Crisis. Now, I have multiple copies, but the, the copy that I brought is uh, the deluxe oversized hardcover. And Smurfy was asking about it and, and ooing and aahing over it. But it's the, a pretty book. It's a pretty it book. Is. Aside from the supplemental stuff that's in there, one of the reasons I got this edition is for things like that double-page spread. Because... It's been completely recolored and remastered. Nice. So you can really see all of the heroes that are in that spread, in that page, and it's gorgeous. Now, I used the DC app to read it because I couldn't find a copy yeah. here if I depended on it. But you were able to zoom in. That's nice. It's like mm -hmm. as big as you want it to go. So you can really kind of like dive in deep and almost see like the, the ink strokes on it. That's really nice. I should do that sometime. I should yeah. take a look at the, the app and... I will say helpful, look at it on like a tablet or like laptop as opposed to cell phone. Yeah, because cell phones is too small. Doesn't do it justice. Sure, I get that. Right. I get that. Well, in the instant that these two Earths were taken to the Netherverse, the heroes were brought to the satellite where they would learn all of this and where Alexander Luther, who is now at this point a full-grown man, explains that he is both somehow comprised of positive matter and antimatter. And he pledges to save the universe. That is definitely a funky incubator. 
Yes, it is. It aged him really quick and then fused him with positive and antimatter. And dressed well, him because he's all gold now. <laughs> and, and dressed what, him. Yeah, it does. It does <laughs> dress him. Yeah. Well, what I well that's what I thought too is that maybe it come it comes out of that. But what you do learn later, and I know we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves in the story, you do learn that the antimatter and positive matter that he's fused with, he got both when he traveled from Earth three to Earth one. Ah, yeah, like to the it, like, it was almost like he went through a barrier and yeah, absorbed both, and that's where it absorbed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I always thought it was the incubator that gave him both as well. One would assume. See, when I read it, I kind of like I think later on they cover that. They're like, oh, it's when I was traveling, and that's yeah. when I was like, oh, it must have been when we got shot out of the rocket. Yeah, right. yeah, when he when he did his shot, Superman yeah. from Earth three. Yeah. Now, meanwhile, the Flash at this point is being held prisoner by our unseen foe, who we are finally introduced to as. The anti-monitor. But he's with his best friend, Psycho Pirate. He is. And they play cards and games and fun. <laughs> and Parcheesi. I might have read the wrong comic. No, I think, I, no, I think that might be one of the alternate tie-ins. <laughs> it it, what he does do, however, is he does refer to himself as the monitor. He does not believe himself to be anti <laughs> in no, any way. Right. No bad guy does. No right. bad guy does. Right. Well, the good bad guys don't, I should say. True. So, yeah, so he constantly refers to himself as the Monitor, and every now and then throughout the book from this point on, they will refer to him as such. But for the most part, he is the Anti-Monitor from here on out. When they draw him, he's menacing looking. Yeah, he like is. His eyes are kind of His terrifying. skin is cracked. Yeah. And For years, I used to think that that cracked skin was actually just massive teeth. I thought it was teeth. I'm oh, really? I said that, too. Cause I, yeah. like, kind I of like, like uh, what's his name from Monstar from Silverhawks, how he has those gigantic... Well, that or... <laughs> more like a zombie. Any, uh, like, uh, a, like the flesh on his teeth is gone. It's oh, oh teeth, yeah, okay, you know? okay. I was going to say that or any time... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Bacello? Bacello? Oh, God. Either either way. Either way, yeah. We've all pronounced it differently. Anytime he ever draws a giant grin. Mm. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I mean, he's really, because really, that's all you see. He's got kind of a thing that covers the top half of his head. You know what? It looks like a juggernaut mask. It does, sort of. Yeah, with like wires that come out of it. But it's, I mean, it's a really cool looking villain. He's really great. After he's introduced, the monitor's satellite comes under attack. Come out which one? Because now we have the monitor and the monitor. Right, right. The real monitor. For for the purposes going forward, the villain we will constantly refer to as the anti-monitor. Whether he likes died. it or not. Right. Whether he likes it or not. The guy who died is the monitor. Hashtag not my monitor. That's right. <laughs> Let's get that trending. So yes, the monitor satellite gets attacked while all the heroes are on board. It is at this point in time that we learn that the anti-monitor has essentially destroyed everything except for the two Earths in the Netherverse and three additional Earths. Earth 4, which has the Charlton heroes, Earth S, which has Captain Marvel and the Shazam family, Mm. and Earth X with the Freedom Fighters. Those are the only Earths remaining. Now, you come to find out there is one more remaining out there, but that comes in later. Those are secrets. Don't tell nobody. That's right. Spoilers. Right. Spoilers. So sacrificing her powers, she thinks she's sacrificing her life, but sacrificing her powers, Harbinger uses whatever power she has to hold steady the remaining Earths and halt the antimatter waves. She then manages to pull the three additional Earths into the netherverse with one and two. So now all five will be held safe. However, now instead of only two Earths threatening to tear each other apart, you now have five Earths threatening to tear each other apart. So she Uh, didn't really think that through. 
Yeah. Well, it was either that or complete destruction. And so, you know, don't they kind of watch yourself each other too? Yeah, they, well, the vibrational like, seek right. frequencies so, like, on do different that, earths, yeah. like different stuff randomly appears and disappears. Yeah, and there are nexus points yeah. on each earth That's right, they where you can travel to different ones yeah, if you want to. Yeah, one of the earths being Earth Two, the Earth that has the Justice Society. Mm-hmm. On this Earth, Wildcat. It has succumbed to broken legs. Bad luck. Bad luck, which sucks. I always love Wildcat. I yeah. always thought he was a cool character. But the way he gets lightning hits yeah. his legs yep. from a storm and shatters both Pretty legs. Pretty much like to pieces. Yeah, because yeah. like, like they're flat out like, oh, not only did he break his leg, but they're shattered. And yeah. Have you ever shattered a bone? Wildcat's a tough bird, man. No, He'll probably man, just like... rub some dirt and yeah. it'll be fine. Uh, I like Merely way, a flesh wound. I like the way that they draw it. They like mummy him. Yeah, they and do. Someone carries them, and he's just yeah. like mummified legs, and they're like, yeah. "You'll be all right. We're gonna put you in this bed, and uh, but, we'll be back." But then from then on, it seems like he's done. Yeah, he's over with. Yep. And there is a young woman who is outside his window. Now, I don't know Awkward. if she. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if this young woman, whose name is Yolanda Montez, I don't know if she appeared in other All-Star Squadron books or Infinity Inc. books or other books that took place on Earth Two prior to this. I had never read her in anywhere. Reading it in here, it sounds like she was stalking him. It does because Wildcat. It he, does. Well, you know, when Wildcat gets hit by lightning, he's, he's actually carrying a child to safety. Yeah, he gets hit by lightning and he drops the child because his legs are shattered and he's in a lot of pain. That lady comes out of nowhere and he's like, "Oh!" And the first thing he asks is, "Is the child okay?" And they're like, "Yeah." This other random lady caught it. Yeah, or caught the kid. And yeah. she's like, "Yeah, it was my honor to catch kid." What were you doing, lady? Besides yeah. creeping on a wildcat. <laughs> right. I was like, what? But then she takes this obsession a step yeah, further. Yeah, like a step further. Because Act 2, the ending I've picked for Act 2, is the introduction of the new wildcat. Which, as Yolanda Montez takes wildcat's persona. This is a Dateline episode waiting to happen. Like, <laughs> By that's the way, what this is. I find it interesting that... That uh, his costume fits her perfectly. Oh, perfectly. Uh-huh. Yeah. He's an ex like boxer. Yeah. So all of her Who's body. what in his fifties at yeah. this point? But yeah. still, like he's like he's built like a brick house. Because I think this is the slender. Earth Two of the eighties. It's not the Earth Two of the forties, right? Right. I right. think it's the present day. So yeah. So that's uh, that's the end of Act Two. Uh, for anyone keeping score at home, Act Two I have set as being issues five and six oh. of the series. Now. Major deaths that occur in Act Two, none. I don't well, remember any. Minor deaths that occur in Act minor. Two, none. Unless you count Ted Grant, but no. he doesn't die. I was saying, unless you count him no longer being. No, well, he, well how about cat. this? He's let out, us let like, us have a moment of silence for his legs. Wildcat One's legs. Yeah. Okay, yeah, they're gone. <laughs> Insert slow, sad music here. Now, for a second act, I think it's, you know, it's pretty exciting. There's a lot of stuff that happens in this act. It definitely picks up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't talk enough about that double page spread with all the heroes. I've always loved that panel. I was just looking at it now. There's even villains in there. Oh, like yeah. I saw oh are there? And, uh, wow. Yeah, there's like, it's just DC characters. It's amazing. I don't know about you guys, but I feel like that I'm like, okay, things are getting settled. I mean, they're not. But you're like, okay, things are kind of getting But it settled. does kind of... There's spiders. Yeah. yeah. Where the waves are kind of coming down. The storm's yeah. maybe passing us, you know? Nope. Now, we're figuring things out. All right. Plans are forming. Oh, crap. Yeah. Now, I do I do think it's interesting to think, though, if, if it's just those five Earths that are remaining, then at this point in time, anything that had a separate Earth designation prior to this 
is gone. And prior to crisis number one starting, DC then at that point said that everything that was an imaginary story. Now go back through our archives. We will also put a link, but go back through our archives to an episode we did in season two all about Elseworlds and what ifs and the DC imaginary stories to get more on that. But anyway, these imaginary stories that had been done for 30, 40 years prior to crisis, they all had designated Earths as well. All of that is now gone. Composite Superman, Batman, where he's the green half and half, he's gone. You mean, you mean the world where Superman and Batman were brothers? It's gone. It's gone? It's gone. Aww. Yeah, all of those worlds are now gone because apparently these are the last five remaining. That's it. And as far as tie-ins with Act 2, there's nothing really of great importance in the tie-ins of Act 2. There's nothing real major here. There is a Swamp Thing tie-in, Swamp Thing number 46. Hmm which does tell the story of him and John Constantine meeting and talking about the crisis. And halfway through the issue, Swamp Thing is pulled away, and he ends up on the satellite for about a page or two, Hmm. which is why he's in that double-page spread. But then he goes back. Hmm. He goes back and discovers how the crisis and nature and all of this stuff, the, the storms, is affecting the green. And his connection ah, yes. to the green. It is written by Alan Moore. It was a very interesting book. It's one of the ones I did read. It's a very good read. It's, it is not necessary to understand Crisis. Mm. However, if you're a Swamp Thing fan, it is a great issue. Mm, okay. It's a really, really good book. Now, I will say that one of the tie-ins that I do think is not necessarily important, you don't have to know it, to follow Crisis, but I do think it's a little bit more important than other tie-ins, is Superman issue 413, which is, again, one of those books that does not have the Crisis banner on it. Ah, but marketing. It is, <laughs> right. Well, I really don't think they knew like how to do well, that. No, well, yes, but if you... I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know which way I'm going right. with that. I'm just going to sit here Little column A, little column yeah, both. In that issue, it's one of the ones I did read, in that issue, Superman is dealing with Lex Luthor, and it is, I want to say, before he ends up on the satellite. So sometime in the in the early portions of maybe issue four or, or issue five, uh, somewhere in that area probably. Okay, okay. But he's, he's dealing with Lex Luthor, and this is the Lex Luthor in the green spacesuit. Mm-hmm. During the battle, Lex is whisked away suddenly for no reason. When you're reading Act Two of Crisis, there is a three-panel sequence... Because during all of this, Brainiac, who is now the skeletal robotic Brainiac, oh, okay. who is a great yeah. design of Brainiac, he is flying around in his giant headship. <laughs> right, yeah, right. <laughs> and, um, That's like Dr. Wily from uh, Mega Man. Yeah, right. And uh, he, he snatches up Lex Luthor. The dialogue from those three panels in Crisis where he snatches up Luthor is the exact same dialogue in the three panels where he vanishes in Superman 413. Nice. Huh. Okay. So it does connect. It's really the only connection it has, but it does say to find out what happened to Lex Luthor, check out Crisis Number whatever it is that that had to happen. So better than Huh? Sky's red. Better than Huh? The sky's red. Absolutely. <laughs> you guys yeah. hear the thunder? Cool. Yeah. Again, Infinity Inc. All Star Squadron. There's a lot of great stuff in there. Um, the biggest piece of information that I found in there that I found interesting. 
but it's not important to the DC to crisis, is I did discover finally who Obsidian and Jade's parents are. Now we all know that their father is the Alan Scott Green Lantern, right? Yeah, too. right. But I never knew who the mother was. Lady Cork. <laughs> right. <laughs> Close. The mother was apparently an old villain that Alan Scott hooked up with oh. at some point. Hmm. She since retired, but I guess he got the kids because she abandoned them. She retired being a villain. She's cleaned up her ways. She's become a normal person. She's rehabilitated herself. And she and Alan Scott in the, I want to say it's the Infinity Ink books. I could be wrong about that. They reconnect. Hmm. And you discover that she is the original Harlequin. Not to be confused with Harley Quinn as we know her now. So we're talking about Golden Age Golden Harlequin. Age Harlequin. Wow. Is okay. the mother hmm. of Jade and Obsidian. Because she's rehabilitated and because things have gone so well, I guess, over so many issues in, that, in those books, she and Alan Scott finally get married. They have a huge wedding with all of these heroes from Infinity Inc. and All-Star Squadron and the JSA all in attendance. And while they're in attendance, 70% of the guests at the wedding party vanish. And they appear on the satellite Ah, in the double-page spread. It's the major connection that that stuff has. So it doesn't have anything really to do with Crisis. But it was an interesting piece of information that I did not know before. Do you know if that uh, carried over after Crisis? That I don't know. I'm not sure, because everything changes right. at that point. But yeah, I, I don't know from there. Well, thanks for nothing. Oh, God. I'm back. How was it on that Earth, Pistol? Send me back. Send me back. We were, we were Ghostbusters. We were the St. Louis branch. It was beautiful. There I was, proton pack charged, cocked and aimed. Ready to unload, and then, and then I'm looking at you guys again. Oh! What about comic books? I didn't really browse through too much while I was there, but uh, Clone Saga apparently just sucks in every universe. <laughs> oh, now Dragonus Prime is gone. Well, back to Crisis, Act Three. So Act Three is a major act. But it is only one issue. I have regulated Act 3 to just being Issue 7. Wow. But Issue 7 is a double-sized issue. There is a ton of stuff and information that comes out of that issue. Because we're at the halfway point of the story here, right. and they just double down they on, really, mm-hmm. they really on action. Yeah. Well, we're a little past it, I guess. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, a little past. So, this act begins with a council of the greatest heroes of each remaining Earth. You get Superman of Earth-1, the Superman of Earth-2, Blue Beetle of Earth-4, Lady Quark of Earth-6, Captain Marvel Shazam of Earth-S, and Uncle Sam from Earth-X. The top characters from each Earth come together and meet with Pariah, Alexander Luther, and Harbinger who is now pretty much just Lila. She's lost her Harbinger persona at this point. So what's the point of keeping her around then? She has a lot of info and a lot of Ah, okay. She's got tons of info. At this point, she is integral in telling this council of the greatest heroes the history of the multiverse. So she is essentially 
Captain Exposition. Yeah, in a sense. And she she explains how on the planet Oa, millennia ago, there was a man named Crona. And this, of course, all comes out in earlier issues of, of Green Lantern, and we have gone over a lot of this, but they rehash it in here. And Crona created the multiverse by trying to peer at the universe's origins and see the hand of creation. And that act split the universe into a multiverse and an antimatter universe, a single antimatter universe. The thing that, that I found interesting about this is that it does say the planet Oa does not have a doppelganger in any of the other multiverse worlds, and it does not have a doppelganger in the antimatter universe. Interesting. So there's right. only one Oa. There's yep. one Oa. And it's on Earth-1. Yes. With one group of well, guardians. Well, in universe of Earth-1, yes. R- right. But there is no Oa in the other multiverses right. as well. Mm-hmm. There's just one Oa, and its counterpoint uh, is Quard. Yes, right. So the there's, guardians there's too our aren't two. are tiny and blue. They're like full-size humans with Back in the, clothes. Back yeah. in Krona's which is, day. Yeah. yeah, which you're just kind of like mm, blown okay. away by. You're yeah. like, oh, right. so that's, they're showing that yeah. as these guys get older, they kind of shrink and they, a And they smaller. split. They split yeah. into two factions. Right. There was the faction that ended up going off and evolving into the controllers, who are taller. And then there was the faction that went off and became the Guardians, that right. were the little blue Yodas. Yeah, they explain how the, the two were created kind of at the same time, and they both kind of came out of the two planets. So essentially... The Monitor and the Anti-Monitor are brothers. Pseudo-twinsies, almost. They're yin and yang. Basically, yeah. They were locked in battle, the two of them, for millions of years. Until finally they both hit each other with enough power that they knocked each other into a hibernation stasis, essentially. Uh, but it was like a caged hibernation status. It's not like they could get out. Who had the cage? That's a good question. They never say. No. It's at this time that Pariah also explains his involvement. And this is where we get the story about how he conducted a very similar experiment to Krona. And in doing so, he created an antimatter cage that he could observe things from. So he went into the cage of antimatter to observe it. In doing so, he inadvertently woke the anti-monitor. It also woke the monitor at the same time. But what it did was it caused antimatter to come into his universe and destroy it. He was saved because he was in the cage. So he was preserved in the cage. Now, in destroying the universe and destroying his whatever that Earth was, whatever that universe that was. Which they never really they never really specified. Yeah. Right. The antimatter absorbed that space of time, that, that area in the multiverse. That's where the anti-monitors start to get strength. That's where he realizes, oh, hey, if I do this, I get stronger and stronger. Right, right. And he wakes up. That's Pariah's curse and his sin, is that he killed everybody he knows, he let the anti-monitor out, he started the crisis, blah, 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 all of this. And the monitor grabs him because he is connected to all the antimatter. He can use Pariah to follow where the antimatter wave is coming Mm. next. So Pariah pops up when things are at their worst. At their absolute worst. With all of this, this council decides that they are going to put a team together to go into the antimatter universe, to go to Quard, and throw down with the antimonitor. And a one one final showdown. Of course, it's not the final showdown, but that's in their mind. It's the final. Take them out. Yeah, they're going to take them out. Down, do your thing, guys. And I mean, it's a it is a powerhouse team. 
they bring both Supermans, Captain Marvel, Supergirl, Firestorm, Captain Atom. They bring all their heavy hitters. All every, the big, every yeah. heavy hitter. Martian Manhunter, Wonder Woman, the Ray, like all the big power. I mean, there's a bunch of them. Even Mon-El from the Legion ends up going there with them. Alexander Luther opens up a portal, and Pariah escorts them to Quard. Now, once they're there, they are instantly attacked because it's like his fortress is alive, almost. And so, like, the fortress itself attacks them and holds a lot of them back. But a few of them get past the walls of the fortress and get into his primary citadel area. A lot of their powers don't work in there either. And that's right, because it's the antimatter. Yeah, Yeah, that's very kind of crazy. All these heavy hitters are like, oh, my atomic powers don't work say here. Firestorm's powers didn't quite work yep. the same. I don't even think the Ow, Superman's... I stubbed my toe, but you're Superman. Well, and I don't think the Superman's... They're Superman. x-ray. Superman got hit and he was bleeding. Earth 2 Superman. Yeah, he got, he got Which knocked out. Earth 2 Superman can't bleed. And uh, he and he, he can't... Did. Well, he does <laughs> now. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it's a great moment, too. Mm-hmm. It's a great moment because he sits there and he's like, I feel so weird. And he pulls his fingers away from his nose and he's like, blood? What the... How dare you make me bleed my own blood? Yeah. <laughs> no one does that. <laughs> Throughout all of this, Superman and Supergirl are able to get to the Anti-Monitor. Not easily, though. Not they easily. They really had to fight their way through they it. They really got to fight their way through it. And Anti-Monitor pretty much mops up the, the ground with Superman. I mean, he just just lays waste to him. And Supergirl jumps in, and she just goes to town. I think she gets, she gets enraged. She does. Like, you can just tell in the dialogue that she's like, how dare you take out my cousin? How was, dare you the attack best the of best of us? They constantly make out, reference to that. I yeah. don't care what it takes, I'm yeah. going to take you down. She yeah, goes into a fugue state. It's great. Yeah, I mean, it's you can't get chills because you're like, yeah. dude, yeah. she is going to, 80s montage is Oh, man, and it's so. just, it is an incredible, incredible sequence. What she does is she ends up destroying his outer casing. Yeah. His oh, suit. obliterates it. Yeah. And he has to run away. However, before he runs away... He blasts her and... He Hadoukens her. Yeah. Pretty much. That's a Street Fighter reference. I know! Oh. <laughs> how random is that? Uh, a Hadouken is very powerful. And, and how sir. random that he would make a reference like that that even I would understand. Well, this is would true. you prefer the Shinshoryuken? See, I don't understand that. Maybe People understand. That's right. I was big in the gaming community. <laughs> you understand who do? I was. I was hoping for a Dragon Ball reference. Oh, but, uh, oh. Kameha, Meha. Well, Supergirl is killed in that moment. A very touching scene in in Superman's arms. She dies in his arms. And that um, image, yeah, has been recreated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The cover image. Countless the cover times. image. Yeah. Which over and over. Because the blast doesn't kill her. Right away. No, it, no, no. It, it, she it she lingers I mean, for a little bit. Right. Yeah. She's, mm-hmm. she's able to say goodbye yeah. to Superman. And I'm like, man, like I don't even know. I think that's worse. Almost. Oh, it's, yeah, oh, yeah, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. I almost despised seeing the cover before I read it. Oh, dude, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because the, the cover right. is just a thinking massive that same spoiler. thing today. Yeah. Right. When I was reading it, I forgot that that happened. And then I got to that cover and I was like, seriously? Like, really? Like, mm-hmm. oh, 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 here it is. Here's the issue. So, yeah. yeah. I was just like, seeing it, I was like, oh, come on. Like, how could you give that away? Well, maybe they were hoping that people would think, oh, they're not going to do that. This is just for the cover. This is just to get me to buy the book. And then, oh, no. no. We did it. (laughs) Or maybe she'll get better. Or as marketing to be like, this is what's going to bring people to buy this book and every other book that connects to it. Eh. Which there are a few. Mm -hmm. And there are some big ones, too. But we'll get to that in a second. The act ends with Earth One having a service for Supergirl eulogized by Barbara Gordon Batgirl 
And Superman takes her body, wrapped in a cape, and flies off into space with it. And we don't exactly know where he's headed, but he's he's going to take her to... It's to almost drawn like he's going into the sun. It is. But you can tell he's not quite going directly like to release her into the sun. It is. Where he's going, we will deal with when we get to the tie-ins. Now, as far as the character deaths in Act 3, it's just Supergirl. Yeah. But and I think that's all you it's really all you need. need. Yeah, yeah. It's all you need. And yes, you know, I, I'm glad that Mr. X brought it up because if, if he hadn't, I was going to. That cover is such an iconic cover. And of course, the cover itself pays homage to an old 50s DC cover of Batman holding a dead Robin in his hands, which I believe was an imaginary story, in fact. Um, I could be wrong about that. But, um, but yeah, it's been done. I mean, the X-Men did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And since, since the X-Men and Crisis, which are the two biggest ones that have done it, I don't know how many countless comics have parodied that cover in yeah. some way. It's amazing. If it works, it works. Yeah, yeah it's, exactly. It's, that, that's a heartbreaking image to recreate no matter what, so why not use it over and over and over again? And another one that, like the double-page spread in issue five, is filled with maybe not 100 characters, but a good 50 of them mm, in the background. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And again, Perez, I mean, I don't know how the man didn't have some sort of hand cramps by the end of drawing these 12 issues, <laughs> right. at, at the very least. I mean, who's to say he didn't? He just... Uh, maybe, through. yeah, all the, maybe. All the cocaine. Allegedly. Yeah, don't, yeah, allegedly. And that was the golden and silver age. The white age, as we call it. Collecting <laughs> <age>. <laughs> I got a great idea. What we find is that in the tie-ins, again, like before, most of the tie-ins don't really have that much to do with anything. With the exception of two. DC Comics Presents number 87... And Superman number 414. Okay. DC Comics Presents number 87 pretty much picks up with Superman on his knees screaming in anguish after the death of Supergirl. What you learn in that book is that he is not flying her into the sun. Evidently, and I didn't know this, but evidently there is a world in Earth One's universe called New Krypton where other Kryptonian refugees, I guess, have settled and created a new Krypton. There aren't many of them living there, but apparently it is there. Among them is Supergirl's parents, who survived Interesting. the destruction of, of Krypton. He is taking her there to bury her and give her parents the bad news. On the way, he comes across the Superman Revenge Squad, who attack him, and he gets shot to an alternate Earth that has somehow survived. Now, it is never explained how this alternate Earth survived when none of the others did. Right. But he is taken to Earth Prime. The Earth with no superheroes. I know I know how. Comic book magic. Comic book magic. <laughs> <laughs> he gets there and he meets up with Superboy Prime. Superboy Prime, his first appearance is in this book. DC Comics Presents 87. This is where he starts. I had, until this week, I had never read this book. Oh, wow. Um, I had only read his appearances in Crisis and then years later in Infinite Crisis. But I, I had never read this book until this week. So until then, you were just as confused as I was. Absolutely. Here's Superboy Prime. Hey, guys, it's Superboy Prime. Hey, here I am. Sweet. Yeah, right. Let's go fight crime. So what happens is, apparently, th- that book is broken up into two stories. 
the first story is the story of Superman appearing in the Prime universe and meeting Superboy Prime, who is on a beach party with a girl named Lori dressed like a mermaid, a la Lori Lamaris, the mermaid from regular DC Comics. Clearly. And Superboy kind of floats up and meets up with Superman, and the two of them kind of work together. At the end of that story, Superboy is suddenly pulled through this white light. And we don't know why, who pulled him through, or where he went. He just gets pulled through. Then it says, to follow more, read Superman 414. But then the next half of the issue goes back to before the beach party and tells Superboy Prime's origin. And in Earth Prime, he is sent to Earth from a Krypton that is about to destroy, but not through a rocket, through a teleporter. Oh, okay. And he ends up meeting up with Jerry and Naomi Kent while they are hiking in the woods. They adopt him and name him Clark Kent. This is also a world where artists and writers somehow tap into the multiverse and create comic books. So all the comics that we read, they all exist in kind of this meta sense Mm -hmm. in Earth Prime. So everyone there knows who Superman is because they read Superman comics. Right. This kid gets picked on as a kid because he's Clark Kent. But they show him he falls, he can scrape his elbows, he does not fly, he has no powers, he is just a kid. He goes out on a date with this girl, Lori, to the beach, where they are all dressing up in costume. And since he always gets picked on for being the Superboy who's not super, he decides, fine, I'll wear a Superboy costume then. And he goes there with his his girl, Lori, who dresses like Lori Lamaris. And when he gets there, Superman appears, he starts floating, and that's the end because now we've gone back to the beginning of the issue. That's Superboy Prime's story. I had never read it till this week. Well... I, I'm going to have to be honest here. I'm not all that impressed. No. Yeah. Underwhelming. No. Under and, very. And it, it never explains because his powers do develop when Superman shows up, but it never explains why. Again, it's. So you're an alien. Things. You've come to Earth. You get no special powers. You grow up to be a teenager, but then a real Superman shows up, and all of a sudden, hey, you can do amazing things. Yep. I, I got it. It's because when Superman was flying there, he brought some antimatter with him. <laughs> Boom. I guess. Connection. I guess, yeah. Nailed no, that's, that's loose. That's loose, guys. Fairy dust. <laughs> yeah. Well, Superman 414, I was very anxious to read, so I read it immediately because I thought, well, maybe Superboy shows up there. He does not. Um, <laughs> fooled you. No. What happens is Superman finds his way back to Earth-1. He defeats the Superman Revenge Squad. It really didn't have anything to do with anything else. And he picks up Supergirl's body and continues and takes her to New Krypton. And Thank God, because I was her. I was legitimately like, did, did the, super kill, the Superman Revenge Squad steal the dead body of this no, girl? No, it just... In fact, when he shows back up in, in Earth-1 universe, his line is something as ridiculous as, Oh, good. It's right where I left it, <laughs> and oh, it's good. floating in space. Wow. Like, okay. Good job. Oh, right. That's where my car keys. Got it. <laughs> Those are the two, the two biggest. Uh, of course, there's some Green Lantern issues that tie in, including Green Lantern issue 195. I put Green Lantern 195 in this act, even though there are moments in the issue that come up in issue 9 
of Crisis, it just to me feels like the issue fits better in this act. And this is where Guy Gardner gets the ring officially. Um, so yes, he's had a ring before now, but in 195, he gets the ring, and 195, he becomes officially a Green Lantern. Tight. Yeah, it, it's it's actually very, very cool. The Green Lantern books from then are very cool. They don't have a whole lot to do with Crisis necessarily from there on out, even though they have the Crisis banner, but they are very cool. The other thing to note is there's a tie-in at this point of Wonder Woman, and the issue of Wonder Woman that ties in around this point is issue 329. It is also the final issue of Wonder Woman, and it has a Crisis banner on it. And in the issue, of course, the Amazons from Themyscira, they're all fighting shadow demons and whatnot, and the crisis is going on. But what happens is she and Steve Trevor finally reconnect. They've been trying to reconnect over, I guess, the run of the book. She tells him that they have been playing around too long. They've been messing around with this too much. And with the impending crisis and everything that's going on, we can't wait. Do me. Basically, they have the gods of Olympus <laughs> come down and marry them and officiate and marry them. And nothing so else in, is going on. Well, do, do me legally. Do me, yeah. but legally, yes. So, yeah, Wonder Woman and, and Steve Trevor are married at the end of the issue. And they have one night of honeymoon. And then at the end of the issue, she wakes up on her honeymoon, I guess, and is worried about what may come. And it says, for more on Wonder Woman, check out the final issues of Crisis. She got one night of bliss, I guess, before she got pulled back. I, yeah, I don't know. Um, but it's interesting because it's the final issue. Right. Again, tie-ins, the Infinity Inc., all the other stuff, probably not a huge deal. It's just more of, oh, this person's fighting these shadow demons. But those are the big ones. That was crazy. What did you see? It was this world where Michael Bay was still in control of the Transformers movies, but they're a cinematic universe, much like our MCU. Shia LaBeouf was like the Robert Downey Jr. of that universe, but the Transformers look like Transformers. Wait, actual living cannibal Shia LaBeouf? Yes. That sounds terrific and terrifying at the same time. And there goes Smurfy. That's too bad. He's going to miss out on Act 4. This is a big one. So Act 4, much like Act 3, I have held to one issue. Because I think it is, in my opinion, the second most important issue in all 12. And it's got the biggest tease that I can absolutely imagine when I imagine two powerful forces coming into conflict. Oh, is that right? Oh, that's right. <laughs> the Lord of Apocalypse himself shows up. And then it's just gone again because yep. it doesn't matter because he'll either fight with the he'll fight the heroes after <laughs> or he'll fight the anti-monitor after. It's, it's you're not the only there's a lot of people that have that complaint. Oh, I imagine. With it. Yeah. Well, but again, it, we're jumping ahead. So, Act 4 will cover issue 8. Now, as the Anti-Monitor is fleeing in his ship, which also has Psycho Pirate and Flash on board, there are various heroes on the Justice League satellite in Earth-1 
who are attempting to fix Red Tornado. Now, earlier in the story, Red Tornado was kidnapped by the Anti-Monitor as well and um, kind of used as a, as a weapon of sorts. Well, now they have him. They bring in Tio Morrow to help repair the Red Tornado. Now, while they are working on him, they start to take his head off, and it causes a self-destruct sequence, and it ends up destroying the satellite. So the Justice League satellite is gone at that point. Now, the Anti-Monitor at this point has retreated to Quard, where you discover he's been building his antimatter cannon. And the Flash, who manages to break free of his imprisonment... From the Psycho Pirate, who's been manipulating his right. emotions the whole time. You, well, he doesn't, he doesn't break free because of the Psycho Pirate. No. He, he vibrates himself off of the sticky wall thing that he's held on. And he grabs the Psycho Pirate and runs around the whole place using the Psycho Pirate to inflict fear and rage on the weaponers of Quark, causing them to attack the Anti-Monitor, who has now appeared in his hulking suit. Flash starts to use Psycho Pirate to use the weaponers as a weapon. Once that is done and the Anti-Monitor is distracted, the Flash goes to the cannon and he begins to run as fast as he can around the cannon in circles, essentially, to destroy it. It is here where he starts to go so fast, he starts time traveling inadvertently. And he ends up appearing in the scene that we saw where he shows up in front of Batman and Joker from issue one. He also appears in front of Wally West at a moment that we haven't seen yet, but will come later. He moves so fast through this that he essentially crumbles to dust and fades away. But the speed that he generates causes the antimatter cannon to destroy completely. And essentially that's, that's how the book ends, basically, with the death of the Flash. Least Barry Allen. favorite issue. <laughs> it's, and you're t- I mean, this is the guy that started the Silver Age. Yeah. This is the guy that started the multiverse. Yeah. And he's yeah. dead. Like, no, to get, honestly, it's a fantastic issue, but I am a, a Flash, especially a Barry Flash fan. So when I first read that, I wanted to throw my comic across the room. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. I get it. I get it. I, I'm, I'm more partial to Barry Allen than I was Kara anyway. You know, it's it it is. Oh, it's it, oh, Supergirl. Oh man, no, oh, that sucks. But then, Barry. Yeah. No. Thanks, Anakin. As someone who just read this for the first time, I, I was the reverse to me. As much as I love Gustin Grant's Flash, watching Supergirl go into this like, like both are equally important deaths and both oh, yeah, are right. equally mm-hmm. important fights, but like, she literally goes out defending everyone there mm-hmm. and. You know, Flash destroys a cannon. I've seen him do like it's like I've seen him do stuff like I've seen him do oh. feats like this before. Whereas you know, you well, take Flash ran too side. fast. Yeah, but he also he also does it unsung. Yes, yeah, that is the cool thing because that's Barry. Mm-hmm. Because Barry doesn't care. Not that Kara does. She's not. She the Supergirl's never been one to care about the glory. Kara. But yeah, I mean, he he does it, and he even says at one point, "I know how this will end for me." But I have to do it anyway. Right. Mm-hmm. Because that's Barry, and that's... Um, that's why he's the best. Yeah. 
Yeah. And again, much like much like issue okay. seven, much like act three, it's the only it's the only death in this act. Because mm. again, it's, it's again, you yeah, only, you, the you gravitas only, of it. Yeah. I don't think I could deal with any more death. Yeah. It's it's the only one that it, that is needed at this point. It's yeah, it's it's a penultimate moment, which is why I separated it out as its sure. own individual act. I felt like as it should be. Kara and Barry both have their moment. Tie-ins. Read them if you want. They're not that important. <laughs> the Justice League Annual, however, Justice League Annual 3, picks up from the moment where the satellite is destroyed and falling to Earth. Oh, okay. Okay. And so Justice League Annual 3 deals with the Justice League dealing with the ramifications of Red Tornado, who somehow, and I and I did not read the issue, reread the issue for this podcast, but I used to have it 15, 20 years ago. And if I remember correctly, there was something that occurred to Red Tornado's body and his essence after the destruction that turned him into an elemental. Hmm. So in the annual, Red Tornado is back, which is why you can't count this as a death for Red Tornado. He's a robot, too. Well, I mean, you could bl- obliterate him to pieces. and But is he dead? Well, I guess that's a, really a, that's a very uh, that's a very how many times has Ultron died? Well, that's true. That's true. But uh, you could you could say that a robot is destroyed and he's sure. dead in the story. Okay, let me ask you. I'm sorry to interject. Short circuit two. When Johnny Five oh, you br- dies, at don't the end you of that bring movie. that up? Okay, <laughs> don't you bring that up? So the simple fact that you're getting upset because Johnny Five does die for a few moments in that movie, yeah, it's okay to be upset that Red Tornado dies as well, quote unquote, dies. But he does. I but wish. he doesn't. He he trans. He trans. Which, and if you think about it, this is the moment where he becomes the Red Tornado that we know of from the last 25, 30 years. If I remember right, it was kind of an interesting story. I think what they were trying to do is they were trying to make Red Tornado into a villain because he kind of goes nuts and the the Justice League have to fight him as a giant walking tornado. Okay. He literally is a tornado with tornado arms and tornado. <laughs> it's really cheesy and weird. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he ever came back as a villain and became a hero again or if it was just... Oh, it's post-crisis. Let's forget that annual ever happened. <laughs> let's not. I, I let's, let's not bring that back up. We again. lost a little but. bit of that magic of podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so you know, I'm not quite sure what's the best. You know, the best thing there. But it is interesting if you want to find out what happens after the satellite crashes. All right. Were there sure. any like Flash tie-ins? No. In fact, the Flash series ended before Crisis. Oh. The Flash okay. series had ended. Not long after the trial and after he he settled in the future with Iris, which is why he was just kind of living life happily. Whoa, that was not what I was expecting. What Earth did you end up on? It was really weird, man. It was a twisted version of our Earth. Everyone had goatees and wore sashes, even the women. Our podcast was nothing but trash-talking comics bad-mouthing artists, and making fun of movies, and all of our names are changed. How so? For example, uh, over there, Mr. Pistol, you were handgun trouble. Tight. Mr. Doctor over there, he was called the pointed surgeon. Okay. And Mr. X over here, he was the triple X bouncer. And I was so evil, my name was Smurfy. What about me? You weren't part of the show. Miss me? Yes. No. For your lack of gratitude, I will leave. 
without taking Dr. Impact to another Earth. Yeah, fine by me. Not really a fan of interdimensional travel anyway. Besides, I think we've kind of beaten this gag to death, don't you guys? Agreed! Ingrates! You haven't seen the last of me. Your next crisis will be your undoing. So saith the psycho podcaster. I promise you that. Glad that's over with. For now. Dun, dun, dun. Christ, let's get on with it and just finish this confusing story already. Right. On to Act 5. The final act of Crisis begins with the villains, who until now had taken something of a kind of a backseat during the whole story for the most part. Well, at this point, they now combine under the leadership of Earth-1 Lex Luthor and Brainiac to, of course, what else, try to usurp control over the five remaining Earths. Gasp. Right. Because Say it, it isn't so. Because if they all die, I mean, who cares? But now right. is the time. <laughs> and that's yeah. where the villains have all been disappearing. Like when Lex Luthor suddenly vanished, Brainiac and Luthor have been collecting them on the Brainiac head ship flying thing. Now, while the heroes all meet on Earth-1 to decide what they're going to do, Earth-S, Earth-X, and Earth-4 all fall to the combined forces of the villains, and who have now turned their attention on Earths 1 and 2. So, like, here's the problem I had with that whole part. Like, Please is go this, on, something uh, we discussed. Yeah, yeah we, me, me and Pistol talked about this. So the worlds are in trouble. There's only five of multiple Earths left, and the villains are like, you know what, guys? It's our time to chance take it over. Yep. Let's not help the heroes at all, yeah. which I think at least half the villains would kind of go, hey, man, we live on this Earth, too. Unless you got somewhere else for us to go. And now I know that, like, Brainiac made an example of Lex Luthor and melt him down to ash. And everyone was like, oh, man, they mean business. You're either with us or against us or you're yeah. toast. Yeah, they fry. We, but it, Lex Luthor 2, Earth two? Yeah. Lex Luthor gets fried. Without yeah. the power armor. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But still, like, you would think that some of these guys are like, hey, man, if you don't have a place for us to go, let's, like, we're going to kick out all the heroes, then we'll take over this Earth. Terrific. Once the guy comes to attack this Earth again, you guys now have to fight that guy without the heroes. Like, did not think that one through, in my it, opinion. It's, I think it's very – I think you're absolutely right. I think it's one of the flaws of the crisis story. It is also incredibly indicative of 1980s comics. Oh, it is. And, like, we were talking, too, Joker, that's what Joker would do. Yeah. Joker is complete chaos. So that makes sense. Yeah, Joker would be running around the streets being like, burn it all. Instead, he's like, nah, I'm with Ivy here. Ha, 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 ha. I laugh. I'm the Joker. Get it? That's right. That's right. It felt like a waste because I am always of the feeling that no matter how crazy, unless like you're absolutely insane, you live on the earth too. Then you start have a, having the backstabbing because mm-hmm. the one issue ends, I think it's issue maybe nine, ends with Brainiac exploding. Oh, yeah. And Simon, who is a, a villain from Earth 2, I believe. I believe he's a, a JSA or a Infinity Inc. villain maybe. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Anyway, he has psionically destroyed Brainiac. Um, he looks like a guy from The Tick, because you can see his brain in that glass yeah. case. Yeah. He also yeah. looks a lot like the Brain Emperor from The Mighty Crusaders. Ooh. But, you know, that doesn't take for long, because then at the very beginning of issue 10, 
you find that Brainiac has downloaded his body into the ship and he built another body, mm-hmm. so he just ultroned himself into a new body, and now the new Brainiac body blows Simon's head off. Oh, like it's horrifically like he cleared off. He blows his brain yeah. out. Mm-hmm. Now, is this the start of the Brainiac hopping from robot body to robot body? It must be, yeah. Now, I know that, that he and Luther both got these suits, these new looks, maybe about a year prior to Crisis starting. Gotcha. But I don't know if Brainiac had been destroyed prior to this. Okay. So, yeah, it's it's probably the start of that. And we're not, of course, I know this is going to sound weird, but not talking about Brainiac 5, no. who is a hero and who has right. been seen throughout this whole time. Yes. And who, incidentally, yeah. is, if you read the tie-ins, and they make mention of it in the book, but if you read some of the tie-ins, he does he is not taking Supergirl's death well. Oh, no. no he's he's pretty emotionally destroyed by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they, they do a couple of panels of that in the book, but boy, the tie-ins, he's really not dealing with it well. Earth S, X, and 4, the, uh, the heroes fight then against the opportunistic villains on all of these Earths, when the Spectre jumps in and basically does what what you were just saying, Smurfy. He basically slaps everybody in the face and says, you're wasting your time, we're all about to die, and you guys are squabbling together like like heroes and villains. Uh, Spectre, the DC deus ex. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. because also the villains are threatening, like, if you don't give us mm-hmm. Earths 1 and 2, we'll just blow up 3, 4, and 5, and then it all goes. Right. So, right. Nah, 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 nah. So all of the heroes and all of the villains that are left, everybody reconvenes in Death Valley on Earth-1. And they get all of the time travelers to show up. The Legion show up with their two, with their uh, time balls. Mm-hmm. Rip shows up. He's got the time sphere. Even the, the lords of time, or the lord of time, whatever it is, they come with their, you know, their ship. So everybody shows up, and out of nowhere, Superboy Prime yeah. shows up. Ta-da, guys, I'm here. Now Great. this, I, I looked into it. This is the next chronological appearance after DC Comics Presents 87. So it never, ever explains <laughs> who grabbed him, how he showed up, where, what, like why he popped in all of a sudden. They never explain, oh, Alexander Luther grabbed him. He just appears. This is not the magic of comics. <laughs> <laughs> they are told that the Anti-Monitor still lives, because everybody's under the impression that, that the crisis itself is over, even though the merging is still kind of a problem. But at this point, they, they are told that the Anti-Monitor still lives. The plan that they come up with is that they are going to send the villains back in time to prevent Krona from screwing everything up. Meanwhile, everyone else is going to go back to the dawn of time where the Anti-Monitor is waiting for them and stop him from destroying everything there because apparently you can only change time and change history from the dawn of time. Something that itself was completely retconned way later. (laughs) I have watched... All the Back to the Future films <laughs> and Time Cop and everything else. Hot Tub Time Machine, Bill and, Ted. Bill and Ted's Excellent and Bogus. Multiple That's Doctor not, Who's. And all of Doctor Who. That's not how time travel works. Uh, yeah, yep, yep. I thought it was a little strange, too. Uh, so they both go to their, their battlefields, essentially. And while the heroes are battling the Anti-Monitor, the Spectre shows up to help. Because up till this point, the Spectre and Phantom Stranger... 
they were like, oh, we can't get involved. Yeah, it's they're not- like, oh, it's not our time. Yeah. The whole time, not our time. And then all of a sudden, Spectre's like, okay, it's time. Yeah. It's time. Like, oh, my watch was broken. Sorry, guys. I'm about an hour. No, a little it, late. It was more like they were waiting. They're like, I mean, we got to wait for it's like the last, very last opportunity for us to jump in. That's when we jump in. Yeah, hero stuff. Not quite yeah. here yet. Yeah. What happens is he jumps in at the exact moment that you see the hand at creation is the anti monitor's hand. So the hand that Krona saw was the anti monitor's hand. Which Spectre grabs. <laughs> like WWE style grabs. Like he, he, yeah. he arm wrestles. He arm yeah. wrestles the anti monitor at the dawn of time. That's pretty tight. And then they also find out that the villains fail miserably at their job and Krona still opens the, the door and says, Yeah. In fact, yeah, they didn't really send a lot of A list villains. <laughs> they didn't really. They yeah. were like, The Yo Yo King, go. <laughs> yeah, right. Kahneman King, have at it. He would have succeeded. How dare you? Kite Man. <laughs> but in that moment. Everything explodes. Everything shatters. And the next issue starts, issue 11 begins the exact same way issue 1 began. With those ominous words, something, you know, the beginning of time, there was a spark or whatever, all that stuff. Only instead of a multiverse creating, the universe was created. Now, in the last issue, isn't there also uh, Lila, no longer Harbinger, Kind of chronicling a lot of different At the things. bottom of the pages, the there page is one. the monitor tapes. Yes. Yeah. Until the last few years or so, I hated that stuff. Because mm-hmm. it pulls you out of it. Because it pulls you out of it, or you have to go back after you've read the issue and read the bottom stuff, which is what I do now. I, I read the issue first, and then I go back to the beginning of the issue and read the monitor tapes. Almost the like uh, Watchmen stuff. Yeah, the sort Black of. Friday. Yeah. But unlike the Watchmen stuff, it doesn't really add anything that we don't already know at this point. I feel like it's just a recap. It really is just a recap. Well, this is what issue ten. Mm-hmm. It's been going on for almost a year. Yeah. People, it, it, and at that time, maybe they needed it. Yeah. Right. This yeah. was the first major crossover. Yeah. When issue eleven begins, the multiverse is gone, and we now have the first appearance of what is what is come to be known as New Earth, the Earth that I think all five of us here grew up reading stories about. Oh yeah. 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 So this is this is the first appearance of this Earth. However, it starts with Earth 2 Superman waking up and going to work and not paying attention to the fact that he just walked into the Daily Planet and sat down at Perry White's desk because he thinks it's the star and he's the editor of the star. <laughs> but it ain't. <laughs> Boy is my face red. <laughs> what you what you learn is that you learn that Aspects of the five remaining Earths have now merged to create a new world and a new history. And only the people that were at the dawn of time remember anything. Okay. No one else can remember anything. But, like, certain things are still permanent. Let's say uh, the death of Kara. Yes. But it, but they even make note that, you know, people, people mourn death of Kara, but they can't really remember how she died. It was died. a fight. But Same yeah. with Barry? No, at this point, they still don't know Barry has died. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah no one realizes they have. Yeah, he j- everybody just knows that he's missing. And they this can't is, find him. This is, isn't this the part where she starts going, okay, Freedom Fighters, you guys are around, but you were around back in like the 40s with Sergeant Rock. Yes, she begins to explain, and, and Uncle Sam, that's right, yeah. that's, Uncle Sam even says, 
Uh, oh, where do I've I got fit memories. in? Yeah, and he's like, where do I fit in? I fought Nazis. Yeah. And she's like, you did. And she goes, yeah, you did, but you did it in the 40s on yeah. this earth. And he's like, uh, nope, I remember it on my earth. <laughs> she's like, no, you guys were all there about 45 years ago. So what they decide is they decide to all meet at Titan's Tower. And all of the heroes who remember everything, they all meet at Titan's Tower, which I thought was really funny because I think Changeling even makes a joke about, why are we meeting here? Yeah. Like, when did Titan's Tower become the place to meet? Because Marv Wolfman was writing. Because Marv, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> and they they end up sending a, a selection of people into the antimatter universe to face off once and for all with the Antimonitor. It is here where they get into a massive knockdown dragout fight. Wally West hitchhikes, essentially, mm-hmm. with them to Quard. And the time travel moment when Wally, or when Barry, rather, was destroying the cannon and he sees Wally occurs now. And it's really cool how they do it, too, because they this is where I feel they use everyone at their best. Gold of the Metal Men is oh, kind yeah. of touching out all these pods. It's really cool, All the yeah. electric yeah. heroes and villains are together. Like All the magic users are surrounding them. Yeah, it's tight. Yeah, and, yeah, and you're right, Smurfy. All of the magic users are all kind of working together uh, to help. And, it, and it's really cool because, yes, he was always magically infused, but I feel like... This is the moment where we establish Alan Scott is a true member of the magic community. Mm-hmm. However, not pe- present is Spectre because he is in a it's like unconscious or coma. Something, right? of yeah, some yeah sort. He, fa- that that fight knocked him out. Yeah, the Phantom Stranger and him are just is like watching over him, trying With to like, dead wake man. him up. Yeah, yeah. You arm yeah. wrestle anti monitor and see how well you do. <laughs> it, what's nice too is it shows that Alan Scott wasn't part of the core because mm-hmm. when the Green Lanterns get their powers knocked out, he's still able to fly around and use his power. Yeah. So yes. like you said, you can, they've been kind of sort of building up like, hey, by the way, this guy is a magical character. And and side note, now that you've mentioned the core, by the way, that the, the other Green Lantern issues that tie in apparently all deal with the fact that Guy starts to kind of go a little nutty and Hal gets a ring back hmm. to stop it. So now there's three. So now there's three. And in doing so, there are a number of Green Lanterns that die while trying to sit. Because I think Guy tries to commit suicide or something. And they try to stop him, if I remember right. I can't remember exactly all the details. But they finally stop him and they defeat whatever they're fighting. But other Green Lanterns are killed. Yeah, there's a body count. Yeah. And it's it's one of their rings that goes to John. And his ring is taken from him and given to Guy. So that Hal can have a ring. That's why John... So John technically at this point is no longer from Sector 2814. 2014? Yeah. Is that what leads into the mosaic stuff where he goes to that it, planet dies? It must It must have to do with that. Yeah. I've never read that stuff. I but haven't it, either. But it must tie into that. Yeah. Um, so, But anyway, that's all in the tie-ins. And they never touch... I, I feel like that's kind of important stuff. But I guess it's just too well, much. Well, because they also to... have like the Guardians kind of wake up and all the Green Lanterns rings yeah. start working again. Yeah, and you're like, well, that's convenient, right? And that all kind of ties yeah. in with the. And the there's other there's stuff. little yeah. blurbs of that throughout as you're reading the book, and you're like, what? But so. anyway, those are all those are all tie-ins in that. Back on Cord, Wally finds Psycho Pirate pulling on the Flash's costume, and that's when they discover that the Flash has died. Because Psycho Pirate has gone absolutely he's, crazy. He's nutty. Because he's crying for yeah. Flash to well, save him. He's tugging at the... Yeah, well, Flash and... kicked the crap out of him. Mm-hmm. And then it all went down, and it was like his only hope. And Psycho yeah. Pirate just couldn't control his emotions anymore, which he was the master of. And, yeah, just goes nutty. 
Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. beyond nutty. And then Wally's the one who knocks him out, saying, yeah. you know, don't you dare touch that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Then they have their final fight with the Anti-Monitor. Final-ish. Final-ish. Yeah, there's there's a couple of Lord of the Rings-style comeback moments here, <laughs> serial yeah. killer comeback moments, oh, where you know, the, the killer keeps popping back up. Yeah. Um, eventually, everyone is sent back to New Earth, except for Earth 2 Superman, Superboy Prime, and Alexander Luther. Mm-hmm. But Superboy Prime chooses that. He does. Superman he makes goes, that hey, choice. Because yeah. who, gets, who gets knocked Super, out with him? Superman, Superman chooses stays. He knocks Superman. He knocks Superman one, one and Lady Cork out. That's it. And, and then, then he tells through. Superboy tells Prime, them, he's like, take them, them back. And yeah. Superboy Prime goes, I got to stick around. Sorry, guys. And throws them through the hole, right. the, the teleport hole, and goes back to help out. Right. Right. When they get back there, he essentially punches. The anti-monitor has turned into like this ball of fire. It's a giant fireball. But the reason for that is what, again, is the furthering of the cock tease of Dark side would, yep, I, versus I, I, yeah. anti-monitor. <laughs> dark side comes into dark play like, I can because use, of Alexander Luther. Yeah, yeah, I can use my powers through Luther. Optic blast. And yeah. I'm done here. No, he hits the button. Good job, no, gentlemen. He, yeah, he does. Yeah, he, he does. He hits he the red button. button. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a red button, of course. Like, let me hit this button, button. You get my power. Blast. Yes. Yeah. But I don't get dark side <laughs> versus anti-monitor. Not for another 30 years, but it does happen. And that's when you also discover that Alexander Luther saved Earth 2's Lois Lane. And he kind of created like this paradise world sort of within himself, almost like another verse the way the monitor did. Pocket dimension. Right. Franklin Richards-esque. Sort of. (laughs) And he put her there because he felt like Superman of Earth 2, the greatest hero of all time, the hero from Action Comics number one, deserved to have his Lois. And the four of them go into this pocket world to live out their lives in a, in a pseudo-utopia, seemingly forever and seemingly to never be seen again. And, and they never, ever, ever get upset about anything ever again. <laughs> the end, Infinite right. Crisis. Thanks, guys. I'm well, the, the other thing to note at the end of the book, the epilogue, the two epilogues, I should say, yeah, because during, say, yeah, we, during we the that. final fight, Wonder Woman of Earth-1 is obliterated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what happens is, in the first epilogue, we learn that she sent back in time and regressed so that she's back to form of clay. I understand your confused look, Mr. X, but remember, the anti-monitor wasn't at full power, so his death-kill laser eye <laughs> beam turned into a time-travel age regression beam. Comic book. Oh, Magic. You don't got to explain anything to me. <laughs> it's just wild how, hey, this is how we're going to fix all of our years of continuity mistakes, fumbles, screw-ups. We're going to form one universe, but we're going to start things off with, hey, you know that character Wonder Woman? You know, one of the few popular female characters we got we're not going to take her seriously at all we're going to have time travel we're going to bring that whole molded out of clay thing they back also into. they also merge the earth one wonder woman's mother hippolyta yeah Queen hippolyta with the earth two wonder woman so that because that's not awkward at all hippolyta of yeah, of new earth that. looks like the wonder woman from pre-crisis earth two 
but it's Apolita now, I guess. Wasn't she it's, also Wonder Woman with the JSA in the New I Earth? I think that that comes into play at some point, yeah, during the, the New Earth like relaunch. Like she was yeah. during World War II and all that? I believe that is correct. I'm, I'm, I'd have to do some, but that'll be in our next episode of this anyway. So wacky, wacky stuff. The second epilogue is Psycho Pirate in a padded cell. He starts saying he remembers everything. And he also claims he's the only one who remembers everything. So I don't know at what point the heroes who were at the dawn of time, who in the previous issue and at the beginning of that issue still remembered everything, at what point they lost that memory. But that's how it is going forward. They always refer to the crisis, but no one can exactly remember what it was Psycho Pirate is now the only one, which is fine, but that's not really ever explained. Yeah, I would assume it's when they're tossed back into... I guess. ...the positive universe. When the greatest Superman punches an energy anti-monitor? It's because the greatest Superman kissed them all and made them all forget. (laughs) Oh, that's where Donner got that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's actually the secret ending of of Crisis. Oh, okay, okay. I like to think it's like one of those things that they don't talk about. Like how at the end of all the, the, the superhero team-up parties, they all kind of swap keys. You don't really talk about it, but we all know it happened. <laughs> well, that's how Crisis on Infinite Earths ends. Now, in, in this final act, we lose a lot of people. We don't have time to go through all of them. I will hit some of the big ones. As we mentioned before, Luther of Earth 2 gets incinerated. Yeah. All but one of the Guardians of Oa get killed, seemingly anyway. Aquagirl, Simon, Chemo gets destroyed uh, only camo. to come back later dove of hawk and dove they make a big point oh, of that. Does. Yeah, right, the male in, dove the male yeah, dove he's yeah. uh, saving a child out of a window and he gets and incinerated then... yep yeah it's a pretty pretty awful death actually. that's what actually starts the whole hawk male dove female stuff yep it comes mm-hmm. right out, out, out of all of that that's right we also lose Lori lamaris the mermaid yes. the mermaid yeah who i've always thought was a weird and silly character but whether she is or isn't She's been around for 40 years. It's it's a big character to lose. The Green Arrow of Earth 2 gets burned. We lose Clayface at one point. Which one? <gasps> we don't know. It okay. never says. He's very small in the panel, and it says, Clayface is dead. Don't know which one. Okay. And then, of course, the the other big one, outside of you know the other Wonder Woman stuff, is uh, the Robin of Earth 2 and Huntress of Earth 2 mm. are both killed by the end. But so, you know who survives? Batman? Slam Bradley. There it is. <laughs> uh, now, as far as the tie-ins here, there's really not a whole lot that's really that big. There is a very interesting tie-in years later in a book, a, a nine-issue, I think, series called Justice League Incarnations. Each issue takes place at a different era in Justice League history. Mm. And one of the issues, issue five, <laughs> takes place during the crisis. The book is essentially oh. a one-issue condensed version of the story recapping things Hmm. from the Detroit-era Justice League point of view. Outside of that, there's not a lot of of major tie-ins. The biggest issue, however, that comes out of this is the fact that the Legion of Superheroes does not seem to change. We do not know quite yet at this point what New Earth is, But we know that a lot of things have changed, except the Legion. The Legion, whose entire history is based on 
Superboy of Earth-1, Clark Kent as a young man, going to the future to create them, that no longer exists because in New Earth, that didn't happen. Superman became Superman as an adult long after all these other heroes. So now we've already started completely undoing what we just did. And it didn't really get done that cleanly to begin with. No. No, it did not. Did that then what started the whole multiversal legion stuff? Sort of. And all of this, you know, I'm, I'm mentioning it here because it comes out of crisis. It's really something more um, for the next two or three episodes of our Exploring DC continuity series that we're doing through this season. So it's stuff that we will get into later. But it, it does come out of this. Crisis essentially has never really ended. Thanks, Crisis. Yeah. But that's it, guys. Uh, I know that's a massive episode. It's a lot of information. It's a lot of stuff. But we did it. We got through the biggest crossover of all time. I'm confused. Can we go back to the beginning? <laughs> I, I want to go back to the Earth that I was on. Yeah, me too. Yeah. No, no, I mean, I want to go back to the beginning and watch that arm wrestling match. Oh, the beginning of the Oh, I get you. Not the beginning of this podcast. God, no, I don't want to go through this again. <laughs> Thought you were done with me, didn't you? Psycho podcaster. Oh, great. This guy again. I want to talk to your audience. You've just experienced crisis on infinite Earths. What are your thoughts on this epic story? Reach out to the My Big Fat Pool List's social media pages. I don't know which ones you have on this Earth. Uh, my face? Close. The Instabook. You're in the vicinity. Yeah. Go to those places. Leave your comments. Leave your questions. And beware. More crisis. Well, I think that about does it for us, guys. Because if we keep this going, we're going to get another visit from the Psycho Podcaster. I don't even know how he finds us. Thank you all for listening. And until next time, I'm Dr. Impact. I'm the Insta-Dude. Pistol Danger. I am Dragonus Prime. I'm Smurfy. And I am Mr. X. Reminding all of you out there to keep believing in comic book magic. That's our show, folks. Tell your friends and family about our program. What he means is you and everyone you know should subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on every app possible. Want to help support the show? Visit our Patreon page. We have a variety of incentives at multiple tiers, sure to satisfy any and all hardcore geeks. You can also follow us on social media where we post weekly comic picks, breaking news stories, and glimpses into our everyday geek lives. Until next time, keep your turtle shells waxed. (laughs) Your power rings charged. And your proton packs primed. Ooh, what's this do? No, Smurfy! Not the containment unit! Is it Harbinger? I think you pronounced the G. I thought it was Harbinger. You potato, say potato, potato and I say oh, potato. I'm curious. Yeah. I didn't know if there was an actual pronunciation. I, I don't know, to be honest. I, I think on the show they do say Harbinger, don't they? On, on the that, TV that's show. The way I was going yeah. With it. I, didn't, I, mean, I don't I know. I've correct. always said Harbinger, but yeah, yeah, I don't know. So.
I've said Harbinger because Doctor Impact said Harbinger. Yeah, that's what I've always. Yeah, I don't know. I, mean, I, mean, I guess either serious. either one anyway, would work. Mm-hmm. You say what you want to say. I'll say what I want to say. Silence. We're <laughs> 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 gonna have twenty minutes of outtakes on this one. <laughs> okay. That's so, that's okay. So good the Lord of Acropolis. Let me just try that one more time there, guys. The Lord of Acropolis. Are you, are you trying to say Apocalypse? Isn't it Acropolis? Mm? No. 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 It's Apocalypse. Apocalypse. It's Acropolis if you want heroes. Hey, Mike. Hey, finish that joke, and then I'm going to need silence for the next hour and a half. <laughs> okay. Oh, burn. You've been nerd-checked. <laughs> nerd-checked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.